Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to America's Best Baseball Podcast. We take you behind the scenes in and around Major League Baseball with former big league manager Kevin Kennedy and veteran baseball broadcaster Rich Herrera. This is the only weekly podcast hosted by someone like Kennedy who played coached and managed in pro ball so we can take you into the manager's office for a real insider's view of baseball alongside a veteran baseball broadcaster like Herrera who has covered the game from coast to coast so let's talk some baseball with your hosts here they are the skipper Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera Welcome, everybody, to the All-Star Game Selection. Let's complain about everything in baseball edition of America's Best Baseball Podcast. I'm RBI Rich, Rich Rare. That's the skipper, Kevin Kennedy. Skip, I'm not being silly or anything, but I love the All-Star Selection show, and then I kind of laugh and scoff at the immediate, this guy got snubbed, this guy's not going to go, this is a travesty, knowing by the time we get to Washington, D.C., it all works its way out. Everybody deserves to go, usually gets to go to the All-Star game. I think that's pretty much true, Rich. You know, um, some people out here in L.A. were talking about Ross Stripling is not on the team yet. But Doc uh, uh, Roberts, uh, Dave Roberts, goes by the nickname of Doc because of his initials, DR, for people that don't know why they call him Doc, by the way. Oh, I never <laughs> knew that. That's the reason. Yeah, DR. Yeah, that's the reason. That's why they call him Doc. That's pretty good. Yeah, so a little trivia Listen, right there. So, hey, first 20 seconds of the show, you learned something today, folks. Well, it's your, uh, that's your all-star manager of the National League, so I thought people that uh, should know that because a lot of people call him Doc. I still call him Dave. I've known him for, I don't know, 25 years, but I have a, I have a hard time calling guys by their nicknames, just like Rick Monday when yeah, I work with we, Rick. We talked about that last time that, you know, yeah. every, what's everybody else call him? Mo. Yeah, Mo. Even his, uh, even in his email, he has Mo in, as part of his email. I have a tough, tough time doing it. You know, I, I just, I've known him for longer than probably anybody else that uh, is around him at Dodger Stadium. Yet they all call him Mo, and I have a tough time doing it because uh, I, I don't know. I just like to call him by his real name, and I, I was never his roommate like Steve Yeager. You know, Yeager will call him Mo, but you know, when you're a roommate and you played with the guy and all that, that's a different story. Are I you think a nickname I'd... guy though? Uh no, I was called by my name. Uh Wayne Krinchicki, the uh former uh utility infielder that played about eight years in the big leagues of Baltimore and Cincinnati came up when when I did. We actually roomed together at one time. Um, he nicknamed me Shooter back uh, in my AAA days in Rochester, and there wasn't for drinking uh, shots <laughs> of uh, tequila or anything mm, like that. It, it was because I was a catcher and I could shoot him down. I had a, I had a really you know a good arm and I was very accurate, and uh, I had some really good years in AAA throwing people out. So he he was a second baseman, so he would. Uh, he nicknamed me Shooter. That caught on. My manager, Doc Edwards, one of my managers, Doc Edwards, called me Shooter. 
And uh, every time I used to see Doc when I was managing in the big leagues and he was scouting, uh, he would he would yell at me, hey, shooter. And I knew who, he, who, who it was. I knew somebody that knew me from Rochester uh, or one of my teammates. It was from one of my old teammates from Baltimore that, that, that was calling me. But uh, nobody in L.A. knows me as that. Um, you know what they call me out here, What's Rich, and, and I didn't create it, uh, is the skipper. Yeah. Skip, you call me that. I call you and, that. Uh, That's a sign of I, respect for uh, a man. Yeah, yeah, and I do answer by that. You know, Roger Clemens always, to this day when I talk to Roger, he calls me Skip. Um, yeah, and a lot of people at Fox uh, working on TV would call me Skipper, but a lot of the, I remember the wardrobe, one of the head of wardrobe uh, ladies, always wondered after about, I've worked with her about five, six, seven years, and they go, why do they, by the way, she would always call me Skipper too. Said, "Hey, Skipper, your suit's in your uh, in your dressing room. We're, we're all set to go." I said, "Great, you know." And and she finally one day she said, "By the way, um, is your name Skip? Why do they call you Skipper?" I said, "No." I said, "It's a baseball term for a manager. It's an old school baseball term out of respect. The manager, Skipper of the ship, you know, like leader of the ship or whatever, captain of the ship, Skipper of the ship. That's uh, that's it's a sign of respect for a baseball manager and." So that particular day, she learned something. So she didn't know why she was calling me Skip. She assumed my my name was Skip, you know, like Skip Schumacher or something oh, like that. Awesome. No, yeah. were you a were Little, you a IE or Y guy like Richie or Billy? Everybody got an IE after their name or a Y. No, no, no. My uh, my name. Uh, people call me Kevin. Sometimes. But I mean, would you call people? You know, because in baseball, uh, a lot of people will get a Y at the end of their name. You know, and shortened, uh, people would call me Richie. Uh, Joe well, Mann still calls me Richie. It's funny you say that because uh, Bob Euchre, whenever he sees Rick Bunday, we, uh, in fact, we'll work together in Milwaukee right after the All Star break. Rick and I, I'm always on the Milwaukee trip, and so is Rick. And uh, we always love seeing Bob Euchre, and Bob will come into the booth or we'll see him at dinner before the game, and he calls Rick, Ricky. Yeah. Hey, Ricky, and he always calls him Ricky. So I don't know if a lot of people called him Ricky. I never heard him call him Mo, but I've heard him call him Ricky. <laughs> so, um, no, I didn't do too much of that. You know, when I had John Valentin or Mo Vaughn or or Mike Gr- Mark Greenwell, I guess with Greenwell, sometimes we'd call him Greeny, you know, uh, but, I, but I usually called him Mike. I usually call guys by their name. Um, uh, Roger Clemens to this day, most of the time I'll call him Rocket because that was his nickname. And, you know, I still remember to this day whenever I hear Elton John's song called uh, Rocket Man. Right. Um, that's the song that we'd be playing when Roger would warm up for his eight warm up tosses um, for the beginning of a game in Fenway Park. And I always I always go right back to those memories of 1995. Uh, he's calling right now, by the way. Uh, I always go back to those memories of 1995 when we were having a really good year that year, won the division, and um, and he would take the mound and that song would be playing. It just gave me really good, a good feeling. It's one of those feel-good moments for me that I flash, I flash back 20, 20 some odd years. Uh, what happened when you hear Sweet Caroline? Uh, it's still a good song for me, and that, at that point in time, it wasn't a big deal for us because that wasn't really our. It was more the '04 ball clubs thing, thing right. you know. Um, Dirty Water was uh, always always big because there's Boston in it, you know. Boston, that's my home. Right. Um, but uh, Sweet Caroline was more of a um, a thing that happened in the 2000s after long after I was gone. But um, yeah, this I, is all in I, Boston, everybody. The songs yeah. they play at Fenway Park. 
Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that, that memory I have of Elton John's song, Rocket Man, is um, Roger warming up and then Johnny Pesky sitting right next to me. And uh, God rest his soul, I love oh. that man. And I just have fond memories of that just because I love the history of the game. And Johnny always knew in the fourth inning, I used to drink a lot of coffee. I really haven't had much coffee in the last few years. I don't really drink it anymore. But when I managed, uh, I didn't chew tobacco or anything like that. So I drank a lot of coffee. Not that I was tired, but it was just it was just kind of my thing. You know, I drank coffee. Yeah, I was out of habit. And I'd start the game, bring out my cup of coffee as, as the game is hearing that song, as I mentioned. And then Johnny Pesky would sit right next to me on the camera. Well, as I would be standing up, he'd sit right next to me. And the first thing we would do is guess the attendance that day. And I, and I might say, um, 33,408. And he would say, no, no, I played here. It's 34,000, you know, one, one, two or whatever. And then when the announcement would come about the fifth inning, uh, usually Johnny was right, but if I beat him once in a while, I'd say, how the heck I was only been here two years. How the heck could I beat the great Johnny Pesky and know more how many people are in that ballpark? You know, just little things like that that are memories you think of. Uh, really stupid things, you know, but just stuff we had between e each other. And then always in the fourth inning, because I've always liked fours and eights, um, he knew I would always want my second cup of coffee in the fourth inning. That would be my last cup, as a matter of fact. I'd kind of just nurse it. And he'd go in, he goes, hey, Skipper, it's the fourth inning. And he'd go inside and he'd get me a fresh cup of coffee and bring it back out for the fourth inning. Just things like that, you know. That so, is awesome. Yeah, nicknames are fun, you know, but, um, you know, as a player shooter in the minor leagues and as a manager um, skipper from being a, being a manager in the big leagues, but that was mostly the TV people that called me that, and you you still call me that, so I, I take that as a sign of respect. And I get it once in a while from uh, people that knew have known me from the past, from from uh, playing and managing a little bit. Um, some of the guys I had in AAA and, and, and Albuquerque as well will call me that once in a while when they see me. But I always think it's kind of cool when Roger does because he's he's really old school out of respect in that regard. You know, he he still calls me Skipper to this day. I don't know that he's ever called me by my first name. As a matter you might of fact, I not even know your first name. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, they're fun. They're, yeah. they're you know they're they're fun. But I I don't remember calling too many of my players by you know. Cute I mean. Yeah, Jose Canseco or Juan Gonzalez or, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't use Gonzo because every every Gonzalez in the big leagues was using Gonzo. Gonzo. Right. So I would just call him Juan, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you that, know, you know wait, there you go. See, this is the left brain, yeah. right brain coming out of an accountant who is I very, guess so. who's very organized. Uh, I someone, guess so. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Rafi Palmero, I think he would we would give him Rafi, and I think I did call Rafi Rafi sometimes, like R A F F Y, but right. uh, I didn't call him Rafael uh, necessarily. But that that's probably the one guy that was <laughs> it was easy to call Rafi or Rafi. All that time we spent around Joe Madden, I don't think he called anybody by their by their first name long ago. Uh, yeah, he had a name for everybody in, under the sun. So you know, I always took it this way with nicknames if i knew the guy really well and played with him and all that then it was okay i always took it as you know what um i'm not going to try to be in the in crowd with that guy because i didn't really know him that well when i first got working with rick monday seven years ago i didn't know rick on a personal basis i'd never been to dinner with him now i've been to 
hundreds of yeah. dinners and lunches with him. We're really close friends, so it would be really easy for me to call him Mo. And once in a while when I text him, I'll say, hey, Mo, what do you think about this or that? But now I feel like I'm kind of there. But I think out of respect, I didn't call him by his nickname. I felt like that be, was. You don't want to be a hanger on or somebody who's trying to yeah, I, fit in. Exactly. I felt like that was his nickname with his teammates in the 70s with Reggie Smith and Ron Say and especially his roommate, Steve Yeager. They, they all called him Mo, you know, uh, or Tommy Lasorda. But I didn't feel like I wasn't part of that ball club. You know, I was a minor league manager at that time. And just because I'm working with them. I right. just felt like I didn't well, know him. Yeah, that's that, that's that respect that you have in this game. Yeah. All right. Speaking of respect, let's talk about the All-Star game. Who got respected? Who got dissed? So I want to run through the starters in the All-Star game. You tell me your thoughts on uh, on each of the positions. You ready? Yeah, sure. All right, let's start at first base. Abreu for the White Sox for the American League. Freddie Freeman from the National League for the Atlanta Braves. You like those? I like Freddie Freeman a lot. I, I mean, the Braves have been battling and hanging in first place. Uh, I don't know where they're going to be at the actual all-star date after this weekend's games are over, but they've been hovering around first place all season long. He's had a phenomenal year. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good choice for first base. I think Paul Goldsmith would be, too. He had a terrible first two months. He was hitting 190 by the May 17th, but he's hit 370 since that time. Uh, but he's made the team as well. But I like Freddie starting, sure. Yeah. All right, second base, Jose Altuve, Javier Baez. You know, I, I love Jose Altuve. I don't think that guy could do anything wrong. He's just fun to watch, fun to play, fun to, fun to be around, all the rest. And Javi Baez is one of the most exciting players in baseball. Altuve is a slam dunk. That, that's easy. He's been right there at the top of the American League once again in hitting. He's done everything. The Astros are having a phenomenal year. Uh, Baez is on pace for 30-plus home runs, 100 RBIs, uh, stealing 30 bases. Uh, he's defensively unbelievable. He's the most uh, energetic, probably, player maybe in our game today. I think people would like that for an all-star game. He's exciting. Um, yes, he can strike out a lot, and he can take wild swings, but, boy, he can connect, too, and really turn a game around in a heartbeat. So, he can beat you in so many different ways, whether it's stealing second and third in one in one sequence or uh, hitting a home run in the bottom of the ninth or making a tremendous defensive play at second or, or third base. Um, and he's the best tagger as far as tagging out runners that I've ever seen. What, so. what do you mean? Well, let's just take a catcher throwing a uh, runner out at second base. He's as quick as I've ever seen a guy take a ball and get the ball down. It's like it's like it's like the ball landed in his glove. On, on the tag. That's how quick he is. Um, and if the ball is to the right, and let's say to the uh, shortstop side of second base, he has the wherewithal to take the ball. And instead of turning around glove side and, and trying to face the runner, he has his back to the runner and will slap a tag right before the runner's foot gets into the bag or his, or his hand gets into the bag. He's, he's that good. He's a difference maker as far as tagging runners out. He really is. He's, he's incredible. He's the quickest guy I've ever seen do that. Wow. Uh, let's go to third yeah. base. Jose Ramirez uh, from the Cleveland Indians, Nolan Arenado for the Rockies. Pick one. Which would you want on your team right now? And that's a tough, uh, that's a tough choice. I, I, I'm a big Nolan Arenado guy. He's the best defensive third baseman in the game right now. He makes the plays. Uh, I mean, it goes back to Brooks Robinson days, and people that don't know Brooks might have to, you know, Google or YouTube some video on him, but he was that good. That's, that's how Nolan Arenado is. And there's a lot of good third basemen. Justin Turner is a Great defensive third baseman. Ramirez is solid, but this guy's defensively 
Um, I don't think there's a match today in Major League Baseball with Nolan Arenado. Uh, and offensively, um, yes, he hits a lot of home runs in Colorado, but this guy is just a fantastic uh, big-time talent all the way around. Uh, he was my preseason pick for National League Rookie of the Year on, on the satellite radio that we do on Sirius XM. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but they are battling back now, so they're still in the race for the NL West. So a lot can happen here in the final 66, 67 games that most teams are going to have post-All-Star break. He is a beast. He really is. He's, he's a monster, and he's so energetic. And I talked to Ryan Spielboards about that. Former uh, Rocky himself was a broadcaster for them, and he said he's never – you know, he's he's got – He's always in movement. He's always in movement. He's always talking. Uh, he can't slow down no matter what he does. And, and I think that plays to a benefit for him defensively because he's always got his feet moving. He's always prepared for the play. He's in, he has great anticipation of where the ball should go, if runners are on base, et cetera. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen him make an error. And um, the ball to his right going across the line. I've seen him say, make so many plays, Rich, diving across, backhanding a ball, landing with his whole body on the other on the foul side of the third baseline and still get up on one knee, his right knee, and throw a strike to first base and throw not just a slow runner but a good runner out at first base. I've seen him do that a half a dozen times since uh, we cover the Rockies. You know, we see them 18, 19 times a year. He's He's unbelievable. Coming in, barehanding balls. I've seen balls to his left. The range he has in front of Trevor Story, who's a good shortstop in his own right. Um, he's I, he's one. I, I don't know. He probably wins a half a dozen games for him a, a year just with his glove, maybe more. Well, you talk about a Brooks Robinson-esque, the war, and then when he does something like this. 1-0 the count with Arnato, The pitch. And line down the left field line. Got a chance. Kept going back. Gone! Just cleared the fence down that left field line. A laser shot by Nolan Arenado. Rockies get one back. Make it really interesting. Nine to seven, Dodgers. Highlight courtesy of the Rockies radio network. I mean, when he could do, he does it all. I mean, there, there's just no two ways about it. All right, let's move on. Shortstop, Manny Machado, Brandon Crawford, both of these very unique. They both were orange and black, Skip. Yeah, they do. And Manny is, um, I, I saw the metrics on Manny. They're actually not very good defensively at shortstop. He, of course, was a shortstop in college and played some third base. And now he's a shortstop again. Um, I've seen him only play well, so I can't give you a, a, as good of a uh, eye test background on him because I don't see him as much as I do Brandon Crawford. I see Brandon Crawford 18, 19 times a year, the last seven years especially. I've always been a big uh, fan of his defensive talent. He's been unbelievable. Um, I like guys that, that throw straight over the top and throw us that, that straight, true four-seam grip and don't loop it over there and throw sidearm and have the ball to the first base and where it, you know, it floats out of the, away from the bag. And, and you know, a guy like Brandon Belt has to backhand it and look where his feet are to see if he can touch first base. I hate guys that from the left side of the infield that, that throw like that. He never does that. He always gets in good, his feet in good position, Brandon Crawford. And gets on top of the baseball and throws that true four-seam bullet over there to first base, which makes it much easier for a first baseman to really give you a good stretch toward the ball and gain you maybe another foot and a half on the runner by getting him out that way with a good stretch. So um, unless he has to make a wild play, that's different. But I'm talking about a, a normal, good, routine play or even a good backhanded play in the hole. 
I, I Brandon Crawford for me is uh, is fantastic. He I like him at shortstop, winning these Gold Gloves every year. I think he's that good defensively. He made a play last night. I was watching their game, Rich. They won in uh, extra innings. Sandoval get, got the game-winning hit, and their defense is so much better this year than it has been in recent years. He's a big part of it, obviously. But he made a play up to, up the middle to his left. It looked like a sure base hit. And he took the hitter, not only caught the ball, had to regrip. Hansen was playing second base and didn't get to second base. There was a runner on first base and two outs at the time. And he had he was going to flip to Hansen, but Hansen didn't get there in time. He read that right away. He did a double grip on his on his uh, set of the backhand flip. Mm-hmm. He had to, he had to regrip, and all in one motion he did that. Got on top of the ball and threw a strike, and got the runner by a half a stride. And that was against the Cubs, and that saved that inning from what could have been a big inning. And the bottom of that inning, the Giants ended up loading the bases, and then Sandoval gets a base hit to win the game two to one. Um, but that defensive play, I think, saved them. And that's what I'm talking about with these great defensive players. And he's become a good hitter. You know, Crawford's another guy, much like Paul Goldsmith, that was hitting under 200 the first two months of the season. And then he got hot like Goldsmith did. And he was hitting 380, 390 for about six weeks, seven weeks. And now as we speak, he's been hovering right at 300, 300 plus. Uh, hitting some key home runs here and there. Um, he's just a great, great all-around player. Used to be when he first came up, Bruce Bochy would say, hey, if he hits us 240, he's worth being in the lineup every single day. Well, he's, I always felt like he was going to be a better hitter than that, maybe right. a 275 hitter. And this year he's showing that. He showed it in recent years as well where he's hit some home runs and double figures. <clears throat> I think he hit 20, 21 home runs a couple of years ago. And then he had an off year, but this year he's having a great all-around year. But um, he just looks always looks steady. I never see him get crazy as far as mad or in the umpire's face. Not that he doesn't get mad or say something. I just see him always under control, both defensively and, and uh, at home plate as well. I, I just like his style of play. All right, let me make uh, pitchers in the National League, uh, let me get their heart rate fluttering just a little bit when I tell you. You're going to have to face... Mookie Betts. The pitch. Swing. There's a high fly to left center field. Hit deep. Back it goes toward the wall. And this one is gone. Almost into the waterfall. Mookie Betts leading off this ball game with a home run well over the 387-foot marker. And the Red Sox lead it 1-0. A leadoff blast for Mookie. That would be his fifth leadoff home run of this season. Oh, did he crush it. High, towering blast. That was a no-doubter. Highlight courtesy of the Boston Red Sox radio network, Mike Trout. Here's the next delivery, and he lifts one high, and he hits it well into left center field. That ball's carrying out in left center, and that ball's out of here. Mike Trout cuts the Dodger lead in half. It's only the second homer he's hit since the 13th of June. It's his 25th of the season. And now it's a 2-1 Dodgers lead. Highlight courtesy of the Anaheim Angels or Los Angeles Angels Radio Network, excuse me, and then, of course, Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. The 2-1 swung on a high fly to right. Cutting toward the line is Marcakis, and that ball is gone! Into the lower deck and right. A judgey and blast. Aaron Judge 
Homers to right field to increase the Yankee lead to 6-2. Highlight courtesy of the Yankees radio network. Skip, which one of these guys is scarier for you? Because all three of them would scare me if I was a pitcher. All right, give me the names again. So let's, so, so, people... so let's walk through and make sure we know Betts, Trout, and Judge. I mean, that's a murderer's row right there. Well, here's the thing about all-star games is that you've got the best pitchers in the game facing the best hitters in the game. And I'm always a pitching guy. I always, I always think, and I think most people probably believe this in baseball, that good hitting gets stopped by great pitching. And we're going to see great pitching, not just good pitching. We're going to see great pitching. So um, the one guy with the shortest swing in the game is still Mike Trout. Why is but, a short swing important? Because, it, you know, if you're a guy that throws 98 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour or like Hicks does of St. Louis, 104 miles an hour, the shorter the swing, the better chance you have a chance to barrel it up and hit it square on the barrel. Um, and that's Mike Trout with that kind of bat speed. The longer swing you have, the more you surround a baseball, the, you're, you won't be able to hit that type of velocity. And if you do, you won't be able to, square it up and hit it, you know, center cut like you like to on the barrel of the bat. So Mike Trout said that his swing, where he goes from down to up and through the ball, he sw that's why he's a good low ball hitter. He said he did that in Little League on up, and, and his dad taught him that, and he's never going to change. So Mike doesn't have that uppercut swing that everybody is doing in today's game. Now, he has admitted, he goes, I have some trouble with the high ball, and if you get it up there, I just got. I just have to start laying off of it more, which he's done a better job at this year. I think I told you that earlier in the season that right. that he had said I was in <clears throat> in spring training, of course, and we played the Angels, and I was talking to some of the Angel people. But he had said he was really making a conscientious effort to strike out a lot less. He's not happy with the strikeouts. He doesn't want to be a guy that gets two base hits and then strikes out three times, goes two for five. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to be the guy who can put the ball in play even with two strikes. And, and um, you know, if you put the ball in play, something might happen. And I like I like that attitude because I think baseball has to change and get back to that all the way around. I, so, I love that attitude. On the National League side, yeah. I have Nick Markakis, Matt Kemp, and Bryce Harper. And, and just for a moment, let's just let's, – let's, first of all, I think we just have to tip our caps to Matt Kemp. Let, let's take a listen. Three balls, one strike, and one out. Here's the pitch. Fly ball to left field. He is eight for eight, including a three-run home run. Matt Kemp having the time of his life. And the Dodgers lead 16 to one. Highlight courtesy of the Dodgers radio network, Skip. I remember when Kemp got traded to the Dodgers, the word was, well, they're just doing that to, to clear some money. He'll never go to spring training with the Dodgers. He'll never make the opening day roster. Here he is. An all-star. Rich, it's such a great story. That's what I love about Major League Baseball. When a guy wants to resurrect his career and come into camp and lose 40 pounds and get in shape and hire a personal trainer and show you that he can be the player that he was back in 2011, um, that's what Matt Kemp has done. I think he's a better hitter now than he's ever been. I've seen him lay off his sliders. Um, if you throw him a bad slider and he chases it, he won't do it twice. He won't do it three times like he used to do. You know, the last few years, he's averaged 275 with about 18, 19 home runs. That's basically what he did in Atlanta. And a lot of people would take that and, and make a ton of money in Major League Baseball hitting 275 with 20 home runs. 
Matt Kemp wasn't satisfied with that. And when he got traded, he wanted, he wanted to be in L.A., never wanted to move. By his own admission, he didn't have the right attitude and mindset going to San Diego. But when he got a chance to come back to L.A., he said, I'm going to lose weight, get in shape, and show people I can still play this game. He's always believed in his hitting. If you look at Matt's setup and his stance, he doesn't stride. He uses his hands. Um, he has a weight transfer, but he doesn't stride. Two-strike he's, approach. He's very, very short all the time, all the time. He is the number one hitter in Major League Baseball on hitting a fastball. He's averaging 400 on the nose going into yesterday's game, hitting fastballs. So if you make a mistake with the fastball, um, he's going to hurt you. I don't understand why he's getting so many fastballs, quite frankly, but he is. That's <laughs> so that's, that's well, that's, that advance work. That's uh, that's algorithm scouting. That's not that's, eye test scouting. Yes, that's not the eye test. Absolutely. I've I've talked to scouts that that are going around these days because of the trade deadline coming up. In person, guys that I've been doing it for 30, 40 years, and I said, what is it with Matt Kemp? Why can't you guys – why don't these guys know that he's going to kill every first-pitch fastball? And they said, Kevin, all we can do is put our reports in. From there, the algorithms take over. And I said, well, the algorithms aren't working against Matt Kemp because not only is he deserving of starting in the All-Star game, and for me, of the guys you just mentioned, in all respect to all of them, he's the most dangerous guy because – I've seen Matt now. You might you might get him 0-2 like what happened two days ago against the Angels in the ninth inning on a good slider from the kid that came in, Justin Anderson, who has a really good slider and a big arm. He's closing for the Angels now. Through a nasty slider, he swings in the dirt. Another slider for strike two. Third slider was up a little bit. Matt was ready for it, rifled a single in left field, put the tying run on base. As it turned out, um, Cody Bellinger hit a hard rocket to second base, four six three double play. But um, the Dodgers almost came back because of that, because of what Matt Kemp did. And he's never seen this kid Anderson. So, point being, he's making adjustments on the fly. He's going to right field now with two strikes. Um, he's got the same power he always had: a dead center field, left field, right center field. And um, he's the most dangerous guy to me. Um, of the three you mentioned, Marquez is having a phenomenal year, and I'm glad he's being uh, honored this finally <clears throat> as an all-star. Very dangerous, going the other way, tough on lefties, too. He hangs in there on lefties. But Matt Kemp is having um, an MVP-type year. If the Dodgers win the division, and I know the voting doesn't count going into the playoffs. It's the last day of the season when the voting has to be in on MVP. <clears throat> but I don't see Matt Kemp slowing down. And if people don't make an adjustment on Matt, um, they're really in trouble. If they do make an adjustment on Matt, Matt will make an adjustment back, which is something that he didn't do in the most recent years. All right. Now, you said that uh, I agree with everything you said about him. I'll throw this out at you. My guy to be the MVP in the game, I'm going to call it right now, Bryce Harper. Let's take a listen. The 0-1. Launched to deep left field. This one way back. It may go, and it is gone. Bryce Harper's got 20 home runs. He's back in the National League lead. An opposite field three-run shot. And the Nationals a 10-0 lead over the Phillies here in the fourth inning. Harper launches that one to left. Not much doubt about it. RBIs 47, 48, and 49 on a three-run Harper homer. Highlight courtesy of the Nationals radio network. Skip, he's playing at home. It's his stage. It's his house. I expect huge things from Bryce Harper. Well, I saw a better swing recently. I, you know, I saw him go to center field and not pull off the ball so bad yesterday and go out of the ballpark. And I heard 
FP Santangelo, their game analyst, working with Bob Carpenter, who I've known for a long time. And FP said that recently he's been doing that, staying on the ball better. If he does that, he's always going to hit his home runs. I think it, it looked to me like Harper was trying to hit 45 home runs um, and not worry about the batting average. But I think even he probably would say, you know what, I'm, I don't want to end this year going into free agency being a 215 hitter with 45 home runs. I think he right. he knows he's a lot better than that. So you may you may have a good point there and be right, Rich, because it's in his ballpark. And I'm sure that uh, Dave Roberts will give him the opportunity to play all nine innings if he wants to. Sometimes guys don't want to. But in your own ballpark, uh, why wouldn't you want the four at-bats? Take them all in front of your own oh, fans. Yeah. Absolutely. Three at least, I'm sure. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, he's got to. He's but, got but to. But why not take them all? Now, Matt Kemp, I'll pick Matt Kemp as going to be these, the surprise in the MVP of mm. the uh, All-Star game. Um, number one, I think he, too, will probably get three at-bats from Dave Roberts, but he will come out for defense where Bryce Harper won't because that's what happens during the season. Matt is a better defensive player than he has been in recent years, but he's not the guy he was when he won a gold glove playing center field many years ago. But he... But he's still very good. Out. I mean, he's still very adequate out there, if, if not above that, in catching what he gets to. He just doesn't have the same breakaway speed. He's got arthritis also, I think, in both hips, if not one of them. And the toll of, uh, you know, sliding and running and all that that he has done in the past has uh, created arthritis like a lot of us have, including me. My, mine's from squatting and catching, not from running. Right. <laughs> but, well, you, you ran a little bit. Come on, But, but uh, yeah, there you go. But, but you know um, – Matt is that good against pitching he hasn't seen before. That's why I'm going to pick Matt. All right, two catchers, Wilson Ramos of the Rays and Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. Give me your thoughts. I love that Wilson Ramos is back in D.C. because he was a good player for them, you know, before he got hurt. There's a strong relationship with the fans and Wilson Ramos. They love Wilson Ramos. Credit to Tampa Bay, and Wilson has said this, uh, that he's really happy that Tampa Bay gave him a two-year contract and gave him an opportunity to get back on track. He's having a great year. He got his eyes checked back in his days with D.C. He, they fixed some things with his eyes, and he became, after that, a very, very good hitter with power. Not just a guy that could hit for power and hit 220, but a guy that can uh, work the count, take some walks, hit for a better batting average, and hit for power. So I'm really happy for him. Contreras is a good catcher. Um, recently got his numbers up there better. Didn't show a lot of power until recently, last couple of weeks. Good catcher, likes to throw behind the runner. Um, overall, I, I could, I'd like to see him work uh, defensively a little bit better where he's, his technique is a little bit better in blocking balls. Sometimes he backhands pitches to his left, to his glove side, instead of turning the glove over, things like that. But I think in time he'll learn that. But, uh, but I'm pulling for Wilson Ramos in this game. All right. That's our look at the 2018 All-Stars. We appreciate you coming on our podcast, listening to us. Make sure you tell your friends. It's America's Best Baseball Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Radio.com, uh, you name it. We're right there. So thanks for joining us. Don't forget you can always find Kevin, Kevin Kennedy, MLB on Twitter. I am RBI Rich. We have a special edition of our podcast coming up. We're going to drop two back-to-back. -back. Uh, the very next podcast we're going to do, we're going to talk about the mental side of the game. You're going to want to listen to it because we're going to take you inside the dugout, inside the manager's office, inside the batter's box, inside the game. 
uh, like I don't think we've ever done before. So make sure you keep an eye out for that edition of our podcast coming out uh, as we drop both of them this week. So thanks for joining us on America's Best Baseball. Thanks for joining us for America's Best Baseball Podcast. Our podcast was produced by Braden Suppernant. Find us on Facebook at America's Best Baseball Podcast. You can find Kevin at Kevin Kennedy MLB on Twitter, and you can find Rich on Twitter at RBI Rich. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.